Queen's Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Singleton. And as a child of the 80s, I'd love to say queens rule, but they don't. Queens lead. Being a queen means you are worthy to be a leader of people. The guests on our show do exactly that. They are leading the way in their businesses, families, and communities. They're taking their rightful place in the spotlight, leading and inspiring the developing queens in all of us. Welcome to the Queen's Lead Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Queen's Lead Podcast. Today, we are so excited to be joined by Suzanne Kohlberg. She is in Australia. It is very early morning for her. We thank you for being our guest, Suzanne. Thank you for having me, Amy. The future's looking good. I love it. I love it. We were just talking about your beautiful backdrop and your rebrand. Tell us a little bit about Suzanne and what you're all about. Oh, what am I all about? No one's ever actually asked me it like that before. I'm about transparency. I'm about honesty and I'm about getting shit done that we want to get done, not the stuff that we should. Yes. (laughs) Yes. This is going to be a really exciting interview because when we first emailed back and forth, you said something about, um, learn how to say no without sounding like a bitch. Or if this is a PC podcast, it is not a PC podcast. We are real people, real humans. We say cuss words and yeah. Tell us uh, about that, about your rebrand and about your business and how you help people say no without feeling like a bitch. Well, as the premier recovering people pleaser that I used to be, (laughs) it's kind of like a lot of us live two lives. We live the life that we have externally on Facebook, on Instagram, on the, you know, the way that we want to be seen. And then we live our life behind the scenes, which is, you know, very much not like that. And it reached a point where I was just like, I can't be like this anymore. So I started to, you know, cast or swear a lot more initially in my emails, like to my list, the people (laughs) who love it, love it. And the people who don't, don't, but it's absolutely perfect because if you are offended by a swearing or a cuss word, then we're not a fit to work together, which is, you know, all well and good. But I just, I... I'm, I'm no longer for the two lives thing. Like this Mm. is the filtered cultivated this, and this is the, you know, how, how it really is. And I think that leads so many of us to burnout, to people pleasing, to exhaustion. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I've rebranded very, very recently and I help people with boundaries saying no without feeling like a bitch, because like Brene Brown says, choose resentment over uh, choose discomfort over resentment Mm -hmm. so if someone says hey do you want to do this and you're like oh I don't know how they're going to react when I say no so you say yes to keep the peace but inside you're starting a war within yourself and then you're like ending up in the pantry and eating all the things because you're like oh I just can't deal with this yeah wouldn't it be more honest and in integrity to say thank you so much like I really appreciate that you invited me or that you thought of me or whatever I'm not actually down for that like it's not my vibe I'm not interested you know, if you have this, because what happens is we often say yes. Um, and then later it turns into a no. <laughs> I'm sick. I can't come. And yes, for some reason, yeah. <laughs> that is seen as more polite than being really honest and saying, actually, no, it's 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 no thank you. That's rude. Yeah. And I, I just yeah. I, I'm on a mission. My passion is to reframe that because I would rather someone say, like, for example, perfect example my husband and I don't have a very much overlap in our taste on movies at all. And you know, when you're first dating and you're kind of like 
pretend. <laughs> it's like, yeah, sure, yeah. I love anime. Oh no, honey, I love sci-fi. <laughs> yes. So it's kind of like, if he's like, let's go to the movies, I want to see this. And I'm like, no, what else is showing? Or if a friend says, hey, do you want to go and see this movie? If you say no to the movie, like I'm not really into sci-fi, but this is showing and you can negotiate. So often we're so afraid to say no because we're worried the person will think we don't like them or we're worried that we'll never get asked again or whatever. But when it's like actually, so say, for example, if you're invited me out to, I'm trying to think some sort of restaurant, um, I'm not a particular fan of Chinese food <laughs> because when I was a teenager, like long story. I grew up in a meat and three veggies family. That's all my dad would eat. So that's all my yeah. mum would cook. And when I was a teenager, I finally got to go out, went to a Chinese restaurant. I'd never had um, food with flavor, I should say. And I kind of got a bellyache. I ended up in hospital and had an, uh, my appendix removed. So ever oh since I've got some sort of trauma I bet. <laughs> about Chinese food. So if you were like, hey, do you want to go out for Chinese? I'd like, I'd love to go out for dinner. Don't really like Chinese. Like what else is there? Yeah. Um, oh, let's have Thai or let's have this. Like, you know, instead of just no doesn't have to be the ending. No can be a beginning. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And I'm with you, like saying that we were just having a conversation just before this saying we are humans. Like we have dogs and we have babies and we eat and drink food and people are, why do we, why are we so uncomfortable with being humans? Yes. And also too, Say someone asks you out for dinner and you don't want to go or whatever. If the only reason you're going out with the person is for the food, then perhaps it's time that you get some new friends. As hard as that sounds, <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, I go for the company. I go for the connection. I go for this. And it's like, if the only need I'm getting met here is it's a nice meal. It's like, oh, maybe what are the signs that this isn't a fit? any longer and I think sometimes it's like you know if you meet your friend every week for coffee and cake and the best part of it is the coffee and cake and not that connection you're having with the other person mm-hmm. that can be a sign that you know perhaps there's something else that needs to go on <laughs> yeah for sure so tell us how you came to this point in your life of uh, with these realizations you said you're a recovering people pleaser what did the <laughs> old Suzanne what's your background where did you come from to this point what brought you here as a coach Oh, so I was the premier yes person. Like if something needed to get done, Suzanne was the person to ask. I would drop everything. Like literally, if you were like, I need a hand moving house tomorrow at 6 a.m., I would be there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember like there's a difference between being generous and overgiving. And mm-hmm. generosity comes from a place of looking after yourself and meeting your own needs first. And when it slips into overgiving, it's kind of, it's almost manipulative. It's not consciously manipulative, but like, if I do all these things for them, then they will like me or then they'll do something in return. And it wasn't like one thing for me. It was a series of things over a number of years, like little realizations Mm -hmm. that I came to realize how many of these connections, relationships, friendships that I have are true and would last the test like and how many are what do they call it fair weather friends like yeah yeah and I'm not saying people are deliberately malicious some are but most aren't um but you know when for me when I had my second child I had a very challenging pregnancy and I needed a lot of help and I'd never been one to ask for help my husband was fly in fly out so it was me and my older child 
when I say older, she wasn't yet two. <laughs> oh my gosh. And my family lived interstate and I had to have, um, I had preeclampsia. So they wanted to put me into hospital and I was like, I can't go into hospital. I don't have anyone to look after my one-year-old. My husband's away. Um, and they were like, okay, so we'll measure your blood pressure and urine. Sorry if it's too much information. We'll measure everything every day. And once it reaches this point, we don't care. You, know, you have to sort your shit out. Yeah. So I remember reaching out to people and saying, like, I need some help. Because you know how people say, oh, call me if you need anything. It's my, right. yeah. my pet peeve. I mm-hmm. will say, this is what I can help you with. Can I cook you food? Can I take your children? Yes. Can I whatever? Yes. Be specific. Yes. That's the right. people who I reached out to and was like, hey, this is what I need. Oh, I can't. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've got this going on. Oh, I've got that going on. And I'm not saying like some of them wouldn't have, but I think often when you say to someone, tell me if you need anything, that's the way that you make yourself feel better. And yeah. when someone's so overwhelmed, they can't even articulate what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're having to manage their, anyway, I digress. But the people who stepped up for me in that time, were people I didn't know that well and I felt like so bad for like taking advantage of or whatever but it was incredible and my heart still warms to this day that the help I received in that time but the people who I thought like the people who had people pleased and overgiven to and stuff they weren't the ones they weren't Mm. the ones and it was just kind of things ticking over in the back of my mind at that time and like, what kind of connections, what kind of relationships do I have? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then more recently when, when COVID happened in Australia, all our state borders closed. And as I said, mm-hmm. my family is interstate. And I thought to myself, like, if my husband and I both get sick, what happens to our children? Like, mm-hmm. this was yeah. literally keeping me up at night. And I remember I was just saying it somewhere to somebody I didn't know particularly well, but she was like, I would take your children. And it was just like, wow, like, you know, there is always going to be somebody who's stepping in. She goes, same thing has to come stay with me, 100%, no worries at all. Like, don't let this keep you up at night. Wow. And I think sometimes, you know, we, when we're fostering the relationship out of trying to do some in our back of our mind checks and balances, like, well, because I've done this, then you in a, unconsciously owe me. Mm-hmm. But the real generosity is like, yeah, sure. And another example very, very recently was Halloween here. And in Australia, Halloween hasn't been a thing until the last couple of years. Okay. And my kids were like, we want to go trick-or-treating. And I was like, how does this work? Like, <laughs> so my daughter's like, I want to go with my friends. And she's like nine. And I'm like, well, I need to meet these friends first before I let you off into yeah. yonder. So they were going with one of their mums. I was like, here's my number. And she's like, yeah, I'll just call you when I'm ready for you to pick her up. And I was like, well, this, is, this is easy. Yeah, <laughs> and all I'm right. walking along with my son and he's seven and he's like, oh, I'm so tired, mum. I want to go home. And then we stumble across the kids from school's house who was all decorated. And the mum's like, oh, Casimir, do you want to hang out here? You can give out candy. And he's like, can I, mum? And I'm like, okay. So I get her number. And my husband and I are like, we're child free. <gasps> let's go Whoa. to a place that doesn't have chicken nuggets and eat something. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it was kind of like oh have I have I asked for too much have I overstepped the line and I was like no these are consenting adults with my phone number who can call me if there is any issue yeah and yeah we just went to a Thai restaurant and you know lived our best lives no chicken nuggets inside that's amazing um, and I think, you know, from that space, rather than the checks and balances and what do I need to do to earn this and what can I expect? And, you know, that's exhausting. Yeah, definitely. 
So what, um, outside of your personal life and pleasing, were you in a vocation or in a job, like a corporate uh, job that took you out to do your own thing? So originally, uh, I went to medical school. I was going to be a doctor and I left that in fifth year to become a personal trainer. And I remember a lot of people being like, oh, you must be so fit being a personal trainer. And I was like, actually, no, a good personal trainer isn't working themselves out. They're working their client out. So (laughs) um, personal trainers work when people don't. So it was a lot of split shifts, early mornings, late evenings, being so focused on the client that my own health and my own stuff, like it's not their fault. I didn't Mm -hmm. take responsibility. And then from there, I went into a corporate job working for like the um, the National Health Service for like stuff. And, and then I did call center and the call center spread because you sit down all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yes, lots of, of people pleasing type careers. And yeah, my weight ballooned to double what it is now. I was um, 150 kilos, 330 pounds. And yeah. Um, yeah. Then with two children, I was like, I can't work a desk job anymore. It's too much to get them into childcare and drive all the way and whatever. So I stopped that and became an executive assistant. Um, and I did that for a little while until I got fired story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> and from I there it. I launched my own business. So the accidental entrepreneur, I never actually planned to have my own business, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And then I love, I love that in terms of freedom and flexibility, because I can attend my children's school events. Like my children have an award ceremony coming up. I had a call scheduled. I told my group having to reschedule this so I can go to the award ceremony. Like that yeah. comes first for me always. Mm-hmm. I love that. And you've written a book, right? Yes. About the weight loss journey. About the weight loss journey. Yes. The beginning is shit. <laughs> The beginning is so that's the weight loss book the next one coming will be called the messy middle that's the entrepreneur journey but I still haven't sat down and committed to writing that yet <laughs> I love it I you and I have that in common I also was about um 300 pounds at my highest weight yeah. and yeah the shit was beginning the, the beginning was shit yes. <laughs> as it relates to that how long has the book been out a year just over a, a year. year okay mm. okay what's that what's that experience been like I I self-published it. So it's so funny. Some people with anything in life, you have to claim the identity that you want to, you know, and if you can't claim it, then you won't be able to create it. And so many people like, oh, well, unless you're on the New York Times bestseller list, you're not an author. Or unless you're um, traditionally published, you're not an author. Or unless you have a body of work and you put out a book a year, you're not an author. And I'm like, no, one and done, baby. I hold the thing. For me, I was an author the day the proof came. And I did this. I was like, I'm an author now. You can't take this away from me. And I think for whatever we achieve in life, weight loss, business success, once we've had the success, then we have a fear. Like what if I gain the weight back? Or what if I lose all my clients? Or what if this? Nobody can take that away from you. You When you've got to own that though. So um, the self-publishing journey, it was a bit tumultuous. Originally I hired a book coach who was all about promo and getting on TV and whatever. And I'm like, I'm an introvert. I very rarely leave home. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to do any of these things. Love you fiercely, but this is a no from me. Um, And I went about, you know, self-publishing instead, didn't even pitch any things. 
And then I have full creative rights too over all my stuff because a few mm-hmm. times I've done things where I've you know had to sign a waiver or had to do something and it's like, you know, we're going to shift this or we're going to change this. Like the, there was one part, didn't even make the book, but at one time I went to a theme park, was too big for the rides, got kicked off. Very embarrassing. Can't believe mm-hmm. I didn't even write about it in the book. But anyway, I um, was one of these publications, news things, did a story on me. And that's what they led with, you know, mum gets kicked off ride and that inspires her weight journey. And I was like, it was before I had kids, <laughs> had nothing to do with this. And yeah. the reason they did it was that same theme park had recently had a fatality. So then all this backlash I copped was, you know, how dare you add this on top of it and whatever. And I was like, yeah, no, when I don't have rights to my own story, um, just this is a no. So yeah. for me, it was about having full rights to my story and um if it inspires one person and I know it has because I've received the feedback to go oh my god I'm not alone I'm not the only one who's had this because so many things are shaped like we leave this bit out and we leave this bit out to make it look like before and after before my life was terrible after my life's amazing I just found the secret solution as I don't know the beginning of shit is gained lost gained lost gained lost that's right (laughs) normalizing the journey it was complicated before. And guess what? It's still complicated as a thin person, right? Like it's, it's still the same, still just yes. a new set of problems. Yes. And I think that's the thing you think, well, I used to think I'd be magically confident and magically happy. And I was like, I'm still me. I just take up less space. And then I don't right. have food to kind of numb out to. It's actually kind of disappointing <laughs> right? in that regard. Other regards yeah. are good, but that regard. Right. <laughs> yeah. I know when I look in the mirror, sometimes I'm still going, yeah, I still see the old me, you know, yeah, you're still 100%. the same person. You just stay, I love that. You just take up less space. Yes. And how your identity shifts in terms of your friendship groups or your family. Like I was always the fat sister or the fat friend. A lot of people can be really confronted when you drop weight because you don't say anything, but it makes them face their own things. Um, mm-hmm. And some people come along and it's like, wow, if she can do it, I can do it. Let's go. And some people are like, oh, no, I, I don't like this new you. You've changed. I was like, no, I haven't yes, changed. I've just changed. become even more me. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I, I got that a lot. Yeah, you've changed. Have I? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have a, uh, you don't, I don't have a problem with you. You have a problem with me. And we weren't even aware of that happening in you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the thing is with, when anybody makes a change, whether it be, you know, weight loss or getting their shit together in business or creating something and you're going through the ups and downs and we only see the after, we don't see the behind the scenes. Like my parents-in-law came to visit the other day and they're like, how's the overnight success that's 10 years in the making going? And that just made me laugh because it's so yep. true. It will be one thing in your business, one reel, one podcast episode, a book, something that, you know, launches you. And everyone will be like, oh my gosh, I want to be her. And it's like, you don't see all the stuff that came in beforehand to make that Mm -hmm. moment. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's a lot of legwork over these last 10 years to become that overnight success. Yes. So tell us a little bit about uh, setting those boundaries and, and being able to say no, because a lot of the women that listen to this podcast are very successful entrepreneurs and we, we, uh, we tend to kind of graduate to different groups and groups of people as we grow. And I know for, even for me personally, it's been very difficult to try and navigate that without, you know, I am that codependent people pleasing, want everyone to be happy person, 
But when you finally realize like, okay, these five people that I surround myself with, we no longer have anything in common and there's nothing wrong with me and there's nothing wrong with them. We're just in a different place. How do you, how do you navigate that? I think that is such a great example because, you know, we have friends, connections, relations, whatever you want to call them for a reason, for a season or for a lifetime. So some people, the season is, you know, we're newbie entrepreneurs together. We're in startup. We have no freaking idea what we're doing. (laughs) And we're throwing a lot of spaghetti at the wall and hoping it will stick. And then when you go from that phase into, you know, the next phase, there'll be some people that you quote unquote, I don't like this way, but, you know, leave behind. And that can be very disheartening for both parties because you think oh the person left behind might think oh she thinks she's better than me now because she's had this level of success mm-hmm. and then you might be like downplaying or dampening your success because you don't want to be seen to be you know above or or whatever so like this is something that we all navigate in so many areas of our lives whether we're starting a business and then leveraging launching taking off whether we're becoming a mom or a mom to multiple children, moving suburb, losing weight, like the connection of the people around us, that season might be done. So the way that I look at it is no one's in front, no one's behind. That's a lineal patriarchal kind of system. Mm -hmm. We are in different seasons. So when we're starting out together, like the newbie entrepreneur phase, we're all in this spring energy. And then some of us continue on into the summer by doing that consistent and persistent action and getting traction. And some of us are like, oh, actually, I don't want to be this. I'm going to re-niche or I'm going to do the foundations again. So we start a new spring. So nobody is ahead and behind. They're just in a different season. Sometimes Mm -hmm. people are in the harvest or the fall. Oh my gosh, this launch went amazing. Let's go. Or or the harvest of, oh, that launch tanked. Like (laughs) I thought this would happen and this, like what happened here? And then some people are in a full-on winter like either a winter of like rest or a winter of like, I just need to hide out for however long. So it's just looking at the people in your life and going, no one's at front or behind, like what season are they in? And for every winter, there's a new spring coming, but then deciding, is that the group that you want to, as you said, the five people you surround most with, spend your time with all the time? Or is it time to move on? Not to hop, to hop, to hop. Like someone was saying yesterday, like that name dropper kind of like, I'm hanging out with this, but not that. Yeah. But like who is going to be the most support for me in this season and who can I be the most support of? So it's a, it's a reciprocity, but not a checks and balances. Because mm-hmm. like really, and this is what I've recently had a, a new season in my own business. It's like, I want to hang out with people who are just as excited or even more so about my success than I am and not the kind of people who I'm like, I have to hide either a success or a struggle. Cause you know, sometimes you're like, this is all gone to shit and I can't share it here because you're going to get the, I told you so, or you're going to get the, it's not that bad, but Mm -hmm. you kind of wanting the person who's like, well, reminding you of the powerhouse that you are and knowing that it doesn't mean anything about the individual as a person but like, who is your support system at this time? And that is for all of us, wherever we are, always navigating, always in motion. And I heard this concept once by Martha Beck. She talks about the empty elevator, which I swear changed my life. She's like, your support people are in the elevator or the lift with you. And sometimes when you're moving between floors, you need to let people off. 
because your elevator gets full. You can't fit anyone else on there. So mm-hmm. when you let the people off and you're moving up to the next floor to pick up the new people for a little while, you're traveling alone. And I think that can be the most mm. uncomfortable thing. We hold on to tethers of relationships that are no longer in best service of either of us because mm. we're afraid of being alone. But in that time of alone is when we're moving to the next floor to allow the next people on. Yeah, that that's a beautiful example. I love that. Um, it is hard. It is very hard to to have to move to that next level, but stopping to appreciate like, that I love that reason, season, or a lifetime thing is it's very true. It's um, yeah. Sometimes you have the right or die of... people who will be with you no matter what, and sometimes yeah. you have the people. It's like you know we were in this mastermind together, or we did this you know thing together, and then that is over. But it doesn't necessarily because I think what happens is sometimes when we go into the winter, we you know the the season of of letting things go. When we don't have healthy ways and healthy boundaries of letting things go, we can inadvertently burn things that aren't supposed to be burned. Yeah. It's like knowing how to release this without it having to be burnt and to not have, you know, have that clear communication both ways that, you know, this is over rather than falling into the ghosting or the cancel culture, which so many of us do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe this is getting too deep into your coaching program, but how can someone open up that conversation with, you know, maybe a group of people or, uh, you know, someone who they've been really close to that's no longer where we're no longer serving one another. How, how can you approach that without being a bitch? (laughs) I like Brene Brown saying clear is kind. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of being clear and owning your own part in it. So sometimes when we are, and also too, first of all, this is a skill. You're not going to get this overnight. Yeah. Um, you, you're going to have to build it. So approaching it clearly, being kind, owning your part in it. So at one of the revamps of my business, I changed from a membership model to a program because I found the membership wasn't serving me or them anymore. And I opened the conversation with, you know, up until now, this is how it's been. And owning my part in it, like, you know, if, if things have happened, you know, this how is how I've responded. From here on forth, you know, this is the standard that I'm setting or this is the boundary or however you want it you know, set. Um, and, it, and also, too, it's, it's different if it's a friendship versus a business thing. Because if you're, you know, the business owner and you're making decisions for the business, the boundary can be a lot clearer because yeah. you know, you're in ownership and this is how you're running your thing. If it's a friendship, you don't want to be like, Hey friend, from now on, <laughs> right? that's not good. That's not good. <laughs> no, probably not good. But like having a discussion and, and being open. And the other thing too, with any sort of, you know, if it's a business friendship, business bestie, business pal, and you have like, say for example, you have, you meet up once a week and you have a, a natter, like going forward, for things that I do with that now, I'm like, well, let's do this for three months or let's do this for six months and reassess. So I'm not stuck in some weird ongoing thing that I can't get out of because mm-hmm. <laughs> I've had that happen. And then the other thing too, it's kind of like having what I call a safe word, not in a 50 shades way, but in a way <laughs> where you can just be like, this container is over. Um, you know, I've, I've, I still love you as a person, but like, this is my, my out for this. And I did this with a friend just last year, actually, we were going to do this thing together. We planned it for it to be a year. We had the word like three weeks in, she was like pineapple, surprisingly, you know, that was the word. And I was like, wow, 
And I was a little bit affronted. I was like, I thought, you know, I thought we were doing this for a year. I, I thought all these things. But then it was like, it was clear at the beginning. We still chat now and then, you know, but it's not like it was. But it wasn't serving her in some way. I don't have the energy capacity or whatever to overthink this. She's free now to go and find another person who's in better service. And um, yeah, so like when you're going into things, instead of having some weird, unclear, boundaryless kind of let's meet up on Tuesdays at six and go over our life forevermore, um, <laughs> let's do this you know, for three months or let's do, or let's have this word and then easy breezy going in. Because I think sometimes we do out, outgrow each other, but not as in we don't value and love the other person, but we're just not in the same thing anymore. Like, especially if we've met in a mastermind or a thing and we're doing a business a certain way and then one of mm-hmm. us changes and does business a different way you don't yeah. want to feel like you're dragging somebody along with you yeah yeah I love that that's so important so tell us a little about the program uh, that you have that you offer oh and who my program you serve there <laughs> my program's fabulous it's called why wait it's a w and an eight and people are like what is with that it's actually an infinity but trying to get this uh, like up on its side And Uh it's about what are we waiting for? Because so often there's things that we want to do, write a book, lose weight, start a business, scale our business, meet the man, like whatever it is that we'll do after, after Christmas, after our birthday, after the kids start school, after they graduate, like we are always putting off our goals Mm -hmm. until this magical time when we're suddenly going to have our enough money, enough time, enough space. Yep. And we'll, we'll have our crap is- together then. Yeah. Well, when this happens, then I'll this. Yes. And what why wait is about is like the only time we have is now. None of us are ever guaranteed, not in a doomsday way, like you could get hit by a bus tomorrow, but like legitimately time is the only resource that we don't know how much we're going to have. Mm-hmm. So let's get together in a group, set our intention about what we're going to do over these 10 weeks ride the roller coaster of all the things that come up and realize that you're not alone and break this goal down into the world's tiniest steps. I call them pennies that we can celebrate in this space that anywhere else you'd be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I'm talking. People look at you like, what's that going to achieve? But what it achieves is the compound interest of taking these steps day in, day out to creating big things. And you might be like, well, how much can you create in 10 weeks, Suzanne? It's it's an artificial season. So we have the spring. This is what we're going to do over these 10 weeks. Then we have the summer of taking the action and learning together and going through the ups and downs of emotions and resistance and all this sort of stuff. Then we harvest at the end. What have we done in this time? Because a lot of us will fail to harvest because we're not there yet. I'm not skinny. I'm not rich. I haven't made six figures, but what have you done? And take that momentum into a brand new season because life is cyclical and not linear. And when we let go of that linear model of before and after, because what happens after the after? We go and hide in shame because we're fat again or poor again or this sort of thing. But who do you become on the journey? How do you set the boundaries and say no or even risk the thing of trying it? I think for most of us, we don't even try because we're not worried about failure, but worried about success. When you start to lose weight, when you start to make money, when you start to have this, you've got something to lose. You've got something on the line. That's so much more scary than just starting again and again and again repeatedly. There's nothing to lose there. Um, And the program runs because the boundary queen herself (laughs) models it. Everyone's like, why does it go for 10 weeks? Why is it four times a year? 
it runs on the Australian school terms because that suits me. So I model boundaries and then I get school holidays off with my children. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Awesome. So whether you want to lose weight, build your business, start a business, make a decision, find the man, the program is for them. The program is about taking action, going from, you know, like having all these passion projects on the side to actually actioning them but not through a plan I don't give you a prescription I don't give you a pro forma let's create that together and setting the boundaries saying no to others so you can say yes to yourself and about true self-care to me self-care isn't massages and bubbles and whatever like that's fun but self-care is following through it's like getting up and going for the walk in the morning when you'd rather stay in bed having that Mm -hmm. difficult conversation when it's just so much easier to say yes it's that self-care of you know, risking everything by going all in on this thing and perhaps failing spectacularly, but knowing that, you know, you actually gave it a good hard crack rather than, oh, I could have one day. Like how many of us, like for me, it took me 30 odd years to write this book. I've wanted to write a book forever. I'm the avid reader. Um, But, you know, and then owning that concept, I am this now, and that can't be taken no matter what happens afterward. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that fear, like you said, the fear of success is like, okay, well now I'm thin or now I have money. Now I have to maintain that shit. I got to keep doing that thing. Like it's easy to just start and stop and start and stop. But once you reach that, that level, it's like, okay, now where do, where do, where do do I come on the journey? Yeah. Mm. And and then I, I think a lot of us get wrapped up in where do others expect me to go from here? Oh yes. That's a whole, that's a whole thing. It's like, we had a very recent coaching call on what people think. And I invited them all to pause and replace people with I like, oh, people will think I'm this, I'm a bitch. And I'm like, no, no, I think I'm a bitch. Oh, Suzanne, I don't like that. Yes. So there's where like people, there's some levels like what people, who? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, a mentor of mine said something in a mastermind earlier this year, and it is branded on my brain because I've ne- I don't know if I've ever resonated with something more. He said, it's not what I think of me. It's not what you think of me. It's what I think you think of me that matters. And that holds me back. And I was like, holy shit that I've never read. I've never heard anything more true. Like it's what I'm thinking that others are thinking about me that holds me back. Oh yeah. And that shit is exhausting. And is also exhausting. too, a lot of the time it's not even true. Like yes. we, and this is the thing we talk about in why wait, how we, we talk about processing emotions as in, in the moment it feels true, even mm-hmm. if it's not. So like, have you ever had the thought, like, I always use that example of the meme where the, the man and the woman are in bed and she's thinking he must be thinking about another woman. And the yes. little thing above his head, he's like, if I illegally download movies in the Bahamas, does that make me a pirate of the Caribbean? Right. And the emotion she's having, <laughs> the 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 anger or the frustration oh, yeah. or whatever, so they funny. are true. Like they feel true, mm-hmm. but they are not. So it's mm-hmm. like, how do we process emotions and navigate a world? Uh, because, you know, whether it's true or not, we still feel that it is. Like I've, I got mad at my husband recently for something he did in my dream. I was like, oh, at him all day. And he's like, what's <laughs> going on here? Like in my dream? <laughs> he's like, What? What? <laughs> So what's happening here? And it's like, you know, what we think they think that about what we did and all this mental drama 
Yeah. Being able to work through that and process that and also realize that you're not alone. Everyone's just as mucked up as we are. We just don't talk about it. Right. Um, so a space we are the ones like- in that loop. Like no one else is thinking about us half as much as we think they're thinking about us. They don't have time to think about it. Especially in business. How often do you send an email that you spend so long crafting? You're like, this is going to be the thing. And then you get crickets and you're like, everyone hates me. And then it's like, I didn't even see it. Didn't even see the email. Oh, like... that must have went to spam. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So true. So um, tell us, tell us, uh, we're already running out of time. I can't believe it. Um, tell <laughs> me about a success story of someone that you've helped move from point A to point B. That's like kind of one of your favorite clients or success oh, stories. One of my favorite clients when she first came to me, um, the, the basically reminded so much of me really, really quiet, thought everything was about the weight. Um, she, she joined the program and was kind of like, Oh, I, I can't come on camera. That's the other thing in my space, cameras on cameras off animals, pets in the background. I don't mind. This is real life. Yeah. And for some people, it's very confronting to come on camera and speak in front of a group. And it's like, mm-hmm. I get it. So in the beginning, she would just watch the replays. Then she started coming to the calls with the camera off. And then I remember the first time she had the camera on, it was like, it's so good to see you. And then just started to talk. Anyway, we've worked together for nearly three years now. And in the first two years, she released 50 kilograms. So that's like over a hundred pounds. Wow. But it's never about the weight. It's about who she became in the moment. Because I remember her saying on a call, like, when am I going to get my transformation? And I know for a lot of coaches, that moment would have freaked them out. Like, what do you mean? When are you going to get your transformation? You've dropped all this weight. But mm-hmm. it's like, when am I going to get the transformation? As in, when am I going to feel the way I thought I wanted to feel? Mm-hmm. And for that moment, working with her and, and others, but it was one of the most pivotal moments in my business where I dropped weight loss from my message and recently rebranded into everything because it's never about the weight. It's about... Mm-hmm what we have going on and what we think inside. And, you know, we, we externalize even in business. When I reach six figures, like the magical, I reach six figures and everything in my business is going to be amazing. And it's like, oh shit, it's not six figures. Must have to be seven figures. <laughs> and we keep right. pushing the goal yeah. post back. Yeah. So from working with her, the most magical thing was kind of like, let's have a look about what's going on inside Mm-hmm. And we started working one-to-one together. So she, up until then she'd done the business and now we've been working one-to-one. And it's like the layers that we unpack each week of, you know, the things you were talking about, what other people think about me, what I think about other people, all this sort of stuff. Where am I actually going in my life? Like so often we can put our weight in the way or our business in the way of what we truly want because that's so much more scary. So we kind mm-hmm. of like, oh, I'm never going to get there because this. And like just the leader that she has become in the program and the coaching that she does and something that she wants to do. And I know she'll build a killer. Uh, if you're watching this, you know who you are. Um, a killer business. I'm, I'm just waiting for it. Because I think, you know, we we heal in community and mm-hmm. life happens in community. And so often we think, oh, well, I have to go and hide out here. And then when I'm, when I'm the after, I can appear. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like by being that along the way, mm-hmm. we invite others to do the same. Yes. If I was yes. waiting until I was healed, I never would have started my business. I'm <laughs> five, right. five years in and I'm still healing just as much. And there's always ah. new things. And you can use that to freak you out as in there's always new things. Or you can use this to go, oh, and just normalizing that. So so many people in my community just keep coming along and each time we unpeel a different layer to the onion and the the community that builds and the connections they make together 
in the space is just it yeah I love it I get out of bed and I'm like I can't wait for my call today rather than when I was back in corporate business I was like oh god I don't want to sit on that chair all day <laughs> yeah exactly and like I, I love to hear what you're saying you are meeting people where they are not expecting them to show up well you're in this program turn on your camera no you're taking them by the hand and leading them step by step sometimes that's so difficult to be kind of a forward thinker, a thought leader, or someone who's come a really long way in our own mental health or health journey. Um, it's so hard sometimes to break that back down to those tiniest steps and remember what we had to do first to get to where we are. And I love yes. that you're meeting people with those tiny steps and right where they're at to bring them along with you in this journey. Not that you've arrived in some place, but we're figuring this out together. Yes. And that's another reason I have the pineapples. Do you know how long they take to grow? How long? 18 months. Really? Twice that's like as long as a human baby. gestation. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's really why long. I love it because once you've planted it, you have to look after the seed. You have to water it. You have to weed it. So often we plant we're like this program, this coach, this thing. And then we're like, oh, it wasn't that. Well, if, if it's easy for it to keep it looked after, like, you know, it's easy to do a rain dance when it's already raining. So when we start, we're excited and we're in, and this is going to be the thing. And it's that's like, right. but when the drought comes, you go to water that by hand. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's right. You're cultivating. So, you know, cultivating and working with the people, taking these tiny steps that in the moment don't seem like much, but they compound over time. And then you're mm -hmm. adding more in. So you still like this pineapple's ready and that pineapple's ready because you've got to keep planting. If you only plant one pineapple after 18 months, you're going to have to wait a whole other, another 18 months to get another one. That's so it's right. like timing the planting of your seeds and working out how you're going to look after them in a community of other people who are doing the same. And then realizing sometimes things happen unexpectedly outside, but what is your minimum go-to to keep this chugging along? Like, you know, so often we can be like, I've got children or I've got elderly parents or I've got pets or I've got this. We all have the things, but mm -hmm. it's prioritizing ourselves amongst all of that. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's what self-care really looks like. Like you said, yes. dragging it out of the bed when you don't want to, because you know, on the other side of that yoga or that walk, you're going to be a better person. You're going to be easier to deal with. You're going to be serving yourself first, not with that manicure, that bubble bath, but with legitimate. Yeah, that's often aftercare that will move you. when we're so burnt out and we're so exhausted. Yeah. I deserve a treat mm -hmm. that becomes, that's actually not self-care. That's aftercare. Whereas mm -hmm. I'm not saying if you want to do those things and they're in your pleasure, but when you're doing them, are you really enjoying them? Like I remember mm -hmm. once having a massage and I was just lying there thinking about all the other things I had to do. And I was like, something's got to change here. Like this should yeah. be my, oh, this is the moment. Not, oh, as soon as I, if I got this kid sort <laughs> no. Yeah. That's like creating, I mean, it really, to me, it comes down to creating that life that doesn't need that type of damage control. Like I exercise every day because I don't want to get to the point where I have to go screw it. I deserve a massage and leave everything behind all while just thinking about all those things I left behind. I love that example. Yes. So, yes. So in line, <laughs> I feel you so a hundred percent. So, well, um, so tell us we are pretty much out of time at this point. I've enjoyed this so much. I appreciate so you and Thank what you. you're doing. This is fantastic. Tell people where they can find you if they want to get into the WA program uh, or buy your book and read more about that. Where can we connect with you online? 
So head over to my website at suzannekolberg.com and I'm sure you'll put it in the show notes because Kohlberg's an interesting name to spell. Um, when you get over there, I'd really encourage you to join my newsletter list. I email about once a week. I send unique stuff that I don't do anywhere else and uh, it's fun and entertaining. And the reason I have a parrot also in my branding is parrots are irreverent, mischievous and unfiltered, just like me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> And then I if you want it. to pick up my book, there's a link there for the book. You can grab the first chapters to make sure you actually like it first. I totally get that. Um, and also there's all the details about my program there in roles four times per year. Um, yeah, if you're from like inaction one day, whatever, to like, no, I'm ready, let's go and get this shit done, then this is the program for you. I love it. And you can work with people anywhere, right? Since it's online. Anywhere, yeah. I have. Um, I run the call times deliberately um, to accommodate. We have people from the US, we have people from Canada, UK, South Africa, New Zealand. I always say it, New Zealand. New Zealand. <laughs> Australia and New Zealand have the thing going on. Uh, obviously Australia as well. But um, anywhere you are in the world, there will be a call at least one a month that you'd be able to attend live um, because of, yeah, I vary the time zones and it's all recorded. So if for whatever reason you can't attend, you can submit questions and I will coach on them whether you're there or not, but we'd love to see you. And there's group, there's co-working, there's so many other extra things that I don't even mention about. I, I loved at the beginning when you were talking before, you're like, I like to surprise and delight people. And I'm like, me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, you have been definitely a delight uh, to talk to. I can definitely uh, resonate with your entire message, being real, being human, and taking that one step at a time to, to change your life. So, thank you so much. Thank for you me, so much for being our guest. And thank you for being a queen that leads.